Today, we are going to be footballing it up on the old football machine, Jimmy Stein and our Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked on Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, we promised the people more football talk now that basketball season is over, and I think that's what we shall deliver. First and foremost, everybody loves to talk about quarterbacks when it comes to football, so why not start off with a little quarterback talk when it comes to, say, Julian Sayan, who is committed to Alabama for next year's class, a five-star by most accounts, a four-star by one account. Um and uh, he got invited to the Elite 11. That's pretty big news. It is huge news. Really excited uh, for Julian. That's a, a huge honor. I'm a big Elite 11 fan, uh, meaning uh, I really enjoy the process of improved kids. That's one of the things. I think fans look at Elite 11 as this great competition, like who's going to win Elite 11, but how are they going to rank them? Another thing they're doing at Elite 11 is they're improving these kids. They get really good instruction from really good coaches. They put them through drills. They, they, they put them around their peers. They show, hey, this is how good these kids you're competing against are. It really lights a fire under a lot of them. I love Elite 11. I wish, Luke, they would televise more of it in terms of not just showing us these kids and showing us the competition, but showing us what they're doing for these kids, getting to know them because – now, it's not perfect. There'll be many kids that prove to be great quarterbacks that weren't part of the Elite 11 process. And a lot of kids that go through the Elite 11 process, they don't pan out. But overall, this is a really good look at who the quarterbacks in college football over the next three, four, five, six years. So I uh, I really enjoy it. And, and congratulations to Julian on making it. And uh, I, I think a lot of him, I think more of him now than I did even when he committed based on not only tape, but this kid's grown. He's bigger today than he was even when he committed. This is a, when he committed, it was like, ah, he's not the biggest kid in the world. But now he's like total normal quarterback prospect sized, good athlete, uh, uh, his acquaintances with Bryce, gets trained by a lot of the same people from sort of the same area of the country. Uh, I'm really excited about Julian. I just don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. One thing, it's, it's, it's a whole nother subject, Luke, but uh, I'm not a big fan of the shiny new toy stuff, meaning that it's always the shiny new toy we get excited about. I'm excited about Ty Simpson. I'm excited about Jalen Milrow. I'm certainly excited about both and Dylan Lottergan. Julian's saying I'm super excited about, but hey, let's hope these other guys pan out and Julian's somebody down the road and not somebody that we're hoping, boy, I hope he can play on day one. If, if, if that's the situation, then things didn't work out with Ty and Jalen and Eli and Dylan. And uh, I, I'm high on all those guys. I think our quarterback recruiting over the past five or six years has been fantastic. You know, I, it, that's the old saying, right? The most popular kid on the football team is the backup quarterback. Um and Lord knows, no program knows that like Alabama, if you ask me. Right. But it may even need to be revised to the most popular kid 
on the team is not even on the team anymore. It's the quarterback that you've recruited to replace the current starter and the backup quarterback. But that saying would take way too long, and I don't think people would like saying it. So um, now there's another quarterback that's out there, and uh, Andrew Bone, who's a friend of the program and a cohort of yours over at On3, he tackled this question from somebody on y'all's board over there about Air Noland from Langston Hughes uh, in, in Georgia, uh, a very good player. He really – his name was associated with Auburn more than anybody else that I had seen, uh, at least as of a few months ago. But Alabama apparently still pursuing him very heavily. He has announced he will commit on April 8th. I get the feeling that won't be Alabama. That's just – maybe that's just me, but tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, I get the feeling it won't be Alabama, but Alabama is certainly in the mix. Yeah, uh, I don't think it'll be Alabama either. Uh, he likes Alabama a lot. Alabama likes him a lot. Just puts you in kind of a weird situation when these kids are are committing before you're you're sort of ready to make a decision. You know, Alabama took two in the last class. That is not to say they want two in this class. Although, always think it's not about it's not taking two. It's who. So that's a nice rhyme for you guys. It's not taking two, it's who. Uh, Aaron Nolan is a fantastic prospect. I'm sure Alabama would like to take Julian Sayan and Aaron Nolan. If Aaron Nolan came to camp this summer and proved to Alabama's coaches in person this summer, hey, this is a guy you want in your class. And that's why the April commitment's a little early, you know, because he hadn't, you know, he's not going to Alabama camp this summer uncommitted. Uh, but it's kind of tricky, too, Luke, because we talked about this before. It needs to be talked about again and again and again because how much the transfer portal and NIL has changed recruiting. You know, you took two in the last class. You almost need to take two in every class now because these kids leave. They, they, they leave. And as much as I love Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow and Dylan Lonergan and Eli Holstein, logic, math, numbers, history – tell you that those four guys are not going to stay at Alabama for five seasons. At least two of them are going to leave at some point. That's what history tells us. So if you're, if you're losing all these guys, you got to sign more guys and you don't want to be signing too many two and three star sleepers because you could wake up one day and find that's all that's on your roster. So it really is a tough spot. It's why they pay these coaches so much money. It's why it's a really tough job. It's why the job is infinitely harder than fans give it credit for. Uh, the decision to take two, how do you massage it? Is Julian going to be happy if you take another big-time quarterback in the same class he is? That hasn't been the way quarterback recruiting has worked. You know, um, you got to massage that. You got to ask, why is another kid going to agree to come here when you already have the five-star and say and committed? Are you, are you – limited now to a three-star type guy, uh, which is strategically that makes the most sense. Now, last year you did sign two top 10 guys, but, hey, I think a lot of that had to do with baseball, Alabama's willingness to allow Lonergan to play baseball. Uh, I, I think I think that had a lot to do with, with what was going on and, and why you ended up with two top 10 guys. There was, you know, a little bit of a curveball with one of them. So, and Holstein was always open to, hey, if you want to sign two, that's fine. He, he knew when he committed that Alabama was still recruiting Arch Manning, you know. So quarterback recruiting is extremely tricky uh, in terms of, hey, there's only one. I mean, people think it's not about ego. It's not about that the quarterback 
must be treated like a prima donna. It's the fact that there's just one of them. There's five offensive linemen. There's three receivers in most sets. You, you play more than one back. There's five DBs. There's multiple linebackers, multiple defensive line. There's one quarterback. That's why the position's recruited differently. It's why it's handled differently. It's why it's tricky. And 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 that's that's the situation there. Jimmy, I need to tell everybody about FanDuel. FanDuel is so much fun right now. I'm going to tell you something. I went to the Phoenix Suns game last night and watched them play um, the Philadelphia 76ers because we're here still in Phoenix uh, visiting my son who's at Arizona State. And they have a little FanDuel sports book just right outside the stadium. It's awesome. And um, my son and I both took Phoenix just because we were there to watch Phoenix. We didn't know anything about the NBA. We took them and we won. So it was great. The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get on in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. By the way, FanDuel doesn't pay me any extra to say $1,000 just like that. Just go to your FanDuel.com locked on. Uh, and, and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. Whatever you want to, you can get it at fanduel.net. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel.com slash locked on. I hiked Camelback today, and I'm exhausted, and I'm tired, and I'm not saying things right. Fanduel.com slash locked on. <laughs> it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use so you don't miss your shot at no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Jeebus. I mean, you talk about – I mean, I had a good story about the live read, and then I butchered the live read, which may actually be better for the live read because if you – I mean, it's sort of like – Coca-Cola coming out with new Coke and it was such a screw up that it's almost marketing genius. Maybe that's the same way with me. I, oh, I don't we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. I think that happened when we were like <laughs> seven. We're still talking about that it. That is true. That is true. Um, <clears throat> another question from Andrew Bones, uh, you know, sort of mailbag uh, was to, he, somebody asked him about, does Alabama still feel good about Perry Thompson? I feel like we've talked about Perry Thompson a ton on this podcast. And I mean, it's, he's worthy of talking about a ton this year in state athletes and receivers are ridiculous. I mean, they're just so good. Perry Thompson, uh, Jalen and Of course, Ryan Williams is two years down the road, but another guy that he's asked about is also Cam Coleman, um, who I've talked about from central Phoenix city. Of course, Perry Thompson is from Foley, uh, but Cam Coleman is from Phoenix city. I think these two guys are incredible. Now the vibe I got from Andrew Bone is um, that right now Alabama's probably on the outside looking in on Cam Coleman. That saddens me. I think Cam Coleman is incredible. That's just the vibe I got. Maybe that's wrong. And for whatever reason, you were frozen for a minute and you were like doing it like this. And so it was like you were really no, puzzled yeah. about what I just said. No, I'm trying to decide how to – it's tricky to me. I'm trying to decide – how I feel about it. Uh, I, I think, well, first of all, Cam Coleman is a great, great prospect, but a little bit of a late bloomer in this sense, Luke. And I know he's not a late bloomer. He's a really good player just last season. So I'm not saying he's a late bloomer, but 
his name is sort of new to the big time list, whereas Perry Thompson came to Alabama's camp last summer. See, that's a big difference. Perry came to Alabama's camp last summer, and and even though they're the same age, Cam didn't. But Perry at the Alabama camp was like, this is a guy we got to have. We got to have this guy. And Alabama's like, we got to have you. And he commits, right? Uh, Cam Coleman uh, put up a, a really good season on the field. And then he uh, – and then this spring is when it's like really exploded for him. And now he's moved up to the – now we got to have him. Uh, I think I think Alabama just sort of prioritized Perry a little earlier. That doesn't matter in terms of who's a better prospect because these kids change literally month to month. But I think Perry was just a higher priority earlier solely because of camp performance last summer. And now Cam Coleman's becoming a priority for Alabama. And, and Alabama, I'm sure, would still like, like to see him in camp this summer. But regardless of that, uh, what a great, great, great prospect he is. I think Alabama's very uh, – I think he is a super high pro- priority now. These things just happen at different times for different kids. And I, I think that explains where is Cam Coleman likely to end up. I think geography works against you a little bit here in the sense – Central Phoenix City is closer to Auburn than it is Alabama, uh, closer to Georgia than, than than kids from South Alabama like Perry Thompson. And also this, uh, there's been a couple receivers from this program, and where have they signed? I mean, two of them signed with Clemson, one of them signed with Auburn, uh, and the coach there at Central Phoenix City is Patrick Nix, who's normally uh, embedded in Auburn's program. So, I think you have to add all that stuff up and realize Cam Coleman's later priority, probably not a school that you just automatically think Alabama. Uh, and uh, that's the situation. But Cam has blown up. I think Alabama would really like to have him. This is something to monitor and watch for sure. And while gun to my head today, I would tell you Cam go somewhere else. There is more than a single dollar on that because it's so early uh, I think the kid's only been to Tuscaloosa once, if that. And, and let's 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 see the recruiting progress a little longer uh, before we get too firm in where we think Cam Coleman will end up with. And I'm sure Andrew would agree with it, at least that last sentence. Yeah, here's here's the thing. Eventually, um, the fact that Hugh Freeze has been associated with. Uh, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, and really some other guys that have, uh, you know, Laquan right Treadwell. Uh, yeah, uh, they're going to, they're going to, receivers are going to eventually begin to commit to Auburn, which they haven't been lately. I mean, Auburn just hadn't had very good receivers, period. Somebody's going to want to buy into that. I get the feeling that could be Cam Coleman. And I, I hate that because I'm going to tell you something, man, again. For those who hadn't listened to the podcast recently, I got to call him uh, in one of the 7A semifinal games. And, look, he's not the star of the show for Central Phoenix City in basketball, but he's so uber athletic, and it just just jumps out at you. And um, so I just thought, I really want this guy in this class. And one more point to make about wide receivers. Let me tell you about – you know, I'm not saying they're prima donnas, but, but this is some insight into wide receiver recruiting. They're all extremely interested in who's going to throw them the ball. I mean, that's a big thing. That's a bigger thing than people even realize. That that's a big thing. You can sell wide receivers on who's going to throw them the ball. 
advantage Alabama. And not, be, not because Alabama's got a returning quarterback. Neither Alabama nor Auburn has a proven college quarterback at this point. Call me crazy, but I'm believing that this fall, let's say Ty Simpson is going to prove to be a better passer than Robbie Ashford. So, oh. so, so I'm just saying that, that with Cam Coleman, there's a good chance he's going to say, let's see who's throwing me the ball because that's how he's going to make money. Right. So, uh, so that's why even if he commits this summer, even if he's an early Auburn lean, however put it, I would, I would just tell everybody to apply the brakes until he's made more trips to Tuscaloosa. And until we've seen this fall, who's a quarterback that can more likely help these guys than, uh, than just a bunch of empty promises. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And again, I, I'm, eventually that's going to change. I mean, that Alabama gets all the, you know, the receivers they want in the state or really around the South. Eventually it's going to change. I just hope it doesn't start with Cam Coleman. That's just my take on right. it. I mean, I just I love sort it. of an you, you've been you've been a big Cam Coleman supporter from the start. Uh and 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 you're right. I mean, he he's he's blowing up into a thing. And I think he's gonna be this summer, but I mean, you can't you can't get too much bigger than a five star, and he's headed in that direction, which is amazing considering last September, last October, this wasn't the twenty four kid we're talking about, but now we are, and uh, but hey, that that's how that's how recruiting works, that's how the NFL draft stuff works. I mean, look at, I mean, we can sit here and name six or eight kids that are going to go really, really high in the NFL draft that eight months ago we weren't talking about, and, and they're going to be top 10 type picks. I could think of one like super quickly. What about that pass rusher from Georgia Tech, Keon White? I mean, I, I didn't even know his name. And and he may not be a first-round pick. He may be into the first round early. So I didn't know his name. And he was certainly wasn't on McShay and Kuyper's boards. And, uh, and here he is. So, hey, recruiting works extremely similarly. Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Built Bar, Built Bar March Madness going on right now. The bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's the time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for that churro bar because I love it. It's awesome, and if you support the Crimson Tide or any team, really, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team. Support your bar or your puff. And when you vote on your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built that built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to yo dough. You got to try built built the best protein bar ever. Seriously. They are so amazing. You won't even think they're good for you. What makes built bars and puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're all high in protein. They're low in sugar, all that. That's right, real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. And you can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. Um, Jimmy, you had a good post on your own three uh, message board. You, you were talking about perception. I did. You did. It may have been your wife posing as you, um, which makes a lot more sense now. Um, but um, you had a post about, you know, perception is a pretty crazy thing and how really, you know, Alabama fans, uh, especially in football, we love to say things like, you know, well, of course, you know, 
Alabama gets everybody's best game. Alabama's always got the target on its back, no matter what. And so, of course, uh, you know, we're more we can be more prone to upset now because we put ourselves in this position, yada yada yada. And some people sort of write that off as being just total BS and excuse making. I think uh, I don't know if it's all excuses. And again, you brought up this point about how. Alabama is compared to its former selves, whereas a team like TCU last year was just considered gritty and can't lose kids, and they always come back, and no matter what, they're never out of it. No matter, you know, and they come back and beat all these teams that are, you know, they're mediocre or they're just a little hair better than mediocre, and they always win by a point or two at the last second. And everybody's like, man, you got to give them credit. They keep winning. Meanwhile, Alabama has a couple of those games against Texas or, or, you know, Arkansas puts up a big fight when a, their Alabama's quarterback gets hurt or whatever. Or, or Tennessee beats us on, you know, a, a last-second kick that with some craziness happening. And or LSU beats us on a two-point conversion. And everybody goes, what is wrong with the Crimson Tide? They can't get their act together. And really, it's such a fine line, first of all. Um, but – Secondly, it's that Alabama is compared to Alabama teams of the past. I, for one, don't mind it because I think it it makes us more relevant than everybody else. I'm okay with it. I do see the unfairness of it, though. Yeah, let's say uh, – and I hate to just pick on TCU because that's not my point. Uh, I'm not picking on TCU. It's just the best example I could come up with today. Um, this is my example that I'm – was trying to point out maybe I can phrase it a little better now than I could even when, when I wrote the uh, the piece this morning but Alabama beats Texas 20 to 19 in Austin and the national reaction let's say you're a college football analyst you don't care about Alabama you don't care about Texas you're just a college football analyst and your voice means a lot and it's influential and your take from Alabama barely beating Texas because Alabama drove the length of the field at the end of the game and kicked a field goal to win it, your take is, what's wrong with Alabama? They were favored to win this game by a third one. They didn't muster any offense. Uh, what, what's wrong with that team? Uh, apparently, is the dynasty over? Because that didn't look like Alabama. What's wrong? Okay, now B, TCU plays Texas, same team, about a month later, six weeks later. And TCU beats them 17 to 10. Now, is that seven points and not one point? Yes, but it's one score. It's a one-score game. TCU beats Texas 17-10. What's the take? TCU's for real. TCU's the real deal. Hey, hey, we, we, we question them because they barely beat SMU. We question them because they barely won these other games. But they just beat Texas. They just beat Texas. They're for real. Well, if that's the take on TCU – and that's the take on Alabama, then at the end of the year, when we're like, who are we deciding we're going to take, Alabama or TCU, which one do we think they're going to take? They were excited that TCU won that game. It was impressive that TCU won the game at all. It wasn't impressive that Alabama went on the road and beat an 8-4 and four team when it was 110 degrees in game two. That wasn't impressive. That was a reason to call the whole dynasty into question. That was a reason to say, Bill O'Brien's terrible. That was a reason to say, where was Will Anderson? TCU wins the same game by seven points. I'm not saying Alabama was just as impressive. I'm just saying both teams won the game by one score. They won it differently. And, and I'm not saying TCU doesn't deserve credit. I'm just saying the perception is radically different. It's 
wow, look what TCU just did versus, oh, my God, what's wrong with Alabama? And the same people that have those takes are the same people helping formulate the opinions as to who should be in the playoff and who shouldn't be. And I know people out there are screaming right now, but Jimmy, the losses. I'm not talking about the losses. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, in general, Alabama's close wins are treated as losses. And if you think I'm exaggerating, how much crap did Georgia take nationally for beating Missouri 16-6? to I would tell you very little. Now, I'm sure the Georgia boards, their fans were like, hey, Kirby, what the heck was that? But nationally, Georgia didn't take heat. I think nationally, the national take was, boy, it's hard to win these SEC road games. No, I'm right there. I'm, I'm right there with you. There's no doubt about it. And the other thing is funny. I think some of it is Bama fatigue. I think that is very real. Um, I think I think here very shortly we're going to have Georgia fatigue in the same way. They'll see what we're talking about. And here's my here's my argument about all that. And I'm not I, I'm going to open up this can of worms and then move on uh, today. I'm going to make I would make the argument, Jimmy. And this is maybe this is me. Maybe everybody else thinks differently. This has been a whole football podcast. We're going to throw one basketball thing in there. This is the worst Final Four I've ever seen. This is the worst Final Four of my lifetime. If you want to watch Florida Atlantic go head-to-head with San Diego State and Miami of Florida and UConn, two Ford seeds, go at it. I know my, I know that they've earned their way into it. I, I, I get what you're saying. I get it for anybody out there saying it. It earned. I mean, they, they won the games in front of them. That's, that's true. I, I cannot – deny that tell me this is what you really want to see and what the good news is for somebody like me i think what this is going to do is the power conference is going to go wait a minute so you're telling us that all year long we bust our humps in these power conferences and we are the ones that prop up college basketball and college football and college whatever because people want to see us you know nobody's that's why you don't see san diego state on cbs or ABC or ESPN very often in a primetime slot or Florida Atlantic because people tune in to see the big boys. So I think the big boys may eventually say, why don't we just have our own tournament? Why do we let these other guys play in it? And frankly, I'm kind of okay with that. We can still have Cinderella's in an all big boy tournament. I mean, Illinois would be somewhat of a Cinderella. Um, You know, some (laughs) – if you want to start letting teams losing records in uh, LSU or South Carolina would have been a Cinderella this year. So, I mean, yeah, we can still have Cinderella's that way if you want to, but I just, my point is that when you have too much fatigue and you're like, I'm so tired of seeing Duke and North Carolina and, and UCLA and in the, in the final four. Okay, great. Awesome. Now this is what you got a final four with Florida Atlantic, San Diego state, UConn and Miami. Awesome. That's not awesome. But that's just me, maybe. No, no, maybe no. I'm wrong. It's not but. just you. I, d- I don't disagree. Just eight seconds on that. I don't disagree. I also don't disagree. One day it may be an all-power five thing, uh, and the NCAA tournament looks radically different. Don't disagree. That could happen. I will say that I think what we're seeing is the result, the result of the transfer portal, and prior to the portal, the transfer epidemic, and it's created a thing where a group of five teams can more easily field a high-quality team for two reasons. Number one, Kentucky's bench used to be on Kentucky's bench. Now they're starters at group of fives 
and I'm not, I'm not being specific. I'm just saying that the talent is more spread out. People are tired of sitting on the bench at big schools and they're leaving to go to places they can play. And number two, group of five schools can more easily keep a roster together for four or five years because at big schools, they go pro, they go to Europe, they transfer out. Group of five schools can keep a roster together. That's why a San Diego State can have four senior starters, you know, uh, and, and having four senior starters at Duke or Alabama, probably not going to happen. Yeah, unless they all transfer in. Unless they all transfer in from somewhere else. They certainly weren't there for four years. They came from somewhere else. And uh, interesting, Alabama's going to uh, visit with Denver Nelson, highly uh, interesting player in the portal, originally from Newmarket, Alabama. It's been a Florida international averaging over 20 points a game. We'll talk about that some more, hopefully. Hopefully he'll end up committing to Alabama. But until then, roll tide, everybody. We hopefully will talk tomorrow. I'm actually going on a tour uh, with the kiddos to go check out the Grand Canyon and Sedona and some other stuff. And uh, I got a funny Sedona story I'll tell you one day on this podcast. Uh, but regardless, um, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide. Don't fall in the hole, Luke. Big hole up there. <laughs>